Hi, everyone. Welcome to Being Patient Perspectives. I'm Deborah Kahn, founder of Being Patient. Uh, during these interviews, we speak and look at the first person perspective of what it's like to live with dementia. Joining us today is Greg O'Brien. He's a journalist like myself uh, who was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's um, over a decade ago. Uh, Greg is joining us today from Maine. Thanks so much for joining us, Greg. Thank you, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Now, you have used your journalism skills. I know you had written, um, you were an author and a journalist, um, most recently wrote on Pluto, living with Alzheimer's um, to really um, speak about your journey um, with this disease. Why, why don't you tell us first and foremost, why did, you, why did you decide to write a book? Well, probably chronologically, because my mind works now. Um, Alzheimer's uh, took my maternal grandfather and my mother and my paternal uncle. And before my uh, uh, father died, he too was diagnosed with dementia. Um, I noticed uh, I, I was... Uh, diagnosed about eight, nine years ago. And, and, and I started noticing the symptoms because I, I was the caregiver, family care. I'm one of 10 kids and was the family caregiver for my parents. And uh, it, it scared the hell out of me. And I didn't want to talk about it because I had to take care of them. But um, as a, I've written for papers around the country as a political and investigative reporter, and you would know, Deborah, that you have to multitask to do that. And when you can't do that, you can't do your job. And so I reached out for help and uh, had some good doctors that I knew and um, had the, the, the brain scan and, and the spec scans and, and all the clinical tests. And also I had two serious, which is I think important. This is a complicated, Alzheimer's is a complicated story. I'll keep mine simple, but, um, I had two serious head traumas, which the doctors said unmasked a disease in the making. One was a bicycle accident without a helmet. The other was a car crash where my head hit the windshield. It's like they talk about football and those injuries. And I played sports in high school and college and had my share of concussions. And then I uh, also, um, through the, the gene test, I, I, I carry the Alzheimer's gene APOE4. Are you a, a single or double copy of E4? Uh, double. You're a double. So you're homozygous. Now, now um, let's, I, I want to go into the familial history, um, but first I wanted to start with when you mentioned, you know, having to multitask um, as a journalist, and we all know what that's like. Um, is Was that the first sign to you that maybe something was wrong with your memory? Was it the fact that you became less productive with, with your profession and with your work? Yeah, I, I um, it was taking me longer. I couldn't connect dots. I was forgetting things all the time. As you know, Deborah, there's a difference between um, uh, forgetting where you put your car keys and not remembering that you have a car. And there were, and I wrote about this in my book on Pluto inside the mind of Alzheimer's, um, on Cape Cod, <laughs> we take our trash to the dump. We're not civilized as you are. And, um, and so I, I, I had a yellow Jeep. I'm not allowed to drive anymore. And I took my trash to the dump and then I sat there 
And I said, okay, how do I get home? I said, well, I could call my wife. I could call my sons and my daughter. My yellow Jeep four-door standing right in front of me. And in that moment, my brain would not tell me that was my car. So that, I can imagine, is terrifying, especially no, having... If I could say this, I'll just give you the acronym. It was a WTF moment for me. Yeah. And and especially because, I mean, a lot of people with uh, who we've spoken to with early onset um, might not have a family link and they discover, um, but they have a very hard time getting diagnosed because, you know, when you're in your early 50s, um, a lot of doctors don't think, oh, it's dementia. You know, it, right. it's not... A lot of people, it takes years before they find out um, that they're what type of dementia they actually have. But for you, I, I imagine that was different because you had a strong family link. So yeah. at that, well, I was moment, initially diagnosed by the doctor who diagnosed my mother. So at that moment, when you had that that moment where you couldn't remember how to get home in the yellow jeep, was that? the turning point for you where you said, I need to find out what's going on. Yeah. Uh, also, I'd be driving on familiar roads and not know where I was. And there was one moment that, which I write about in my book that scared the crap out of me. I, I was on a road that I've known all my life, came to an intersection and there was this hexagonal sign, red and white, and my brain would not tell me that was a stop sign, and I went through it. Now, that was probably a God moment telling me that that was a problem because there were cars. I didn't hit anything, but the horns went crazy, and I realized I got to get help. So, um, Greg, was it when you went, tell us about that moment when you went to the doctors, what did they, because your mom and your grandmother both had Alzheimer's disease, did they diagnose you? Like most people say, oh, it's MCI first, and then it eventually turns into, at that point, what was your diagnosis and how easy? Well, my, my initial diagnosis was early onset Alzheimer's. Um, it was several months of tests, and they were very careful, several doctors. And um, it started with the clinical tests, and and then, then it went to the neurologist, and then it went to the brain scans and this and, and all of that. And um, I remember sitting in my neurologist's office with my wife outside of Boston and knowing likely what was going on. And um, he gave me the diagnosis. And again, something I wrote about in my book, um, I remember sitting there holding her hands and um, the tears were streaming down my face. It's just emotional to talk about it. And I turned to her and I said, what about the kids? Because Deborah, this disease is about the kids. My time will come and go. I also have prostate cancer, which I'm not treating. It's my exit strategy. Um, I'm in this fight because it's taken my family, but I'm in this fight for everyone's kids. And, and, uh, Hopefully, as a journalist, the strategies that I've learned, maybe that's a blessing and learning how to write things down. And, and then when you forget, you know, it's, it's 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 a clusterfuck. I probably shouldn't have said that, but that's OK. We allow occasional bleeps. The Larry David moment. Um, but uh, that's what that's what I'm worried about, to, to show people how to try to. This is a disease and the experts will tell you and 
um, George, I'm on the board of Us Against Alzheimer's and proud to serve with them. Um, that can take 20 to 25 years to run its course and can start uh, in your brain when you're in your 40s without symptoms. So I probably got my diagnosis 10 years before anyone else did, anyone else would, because of my family background and being scared. Most people would just hide and not tell anyone. Absolutely. And, and so um, my life a lot of times really sucks right now. Um, I do have a strong faith. I always tell people I'm the biggest sinner in the world and committed every sin a man could commit, but murder and adultery, and I've been tested in both. But I have a, I have a traditional faith. But I'm, I'm trying to teach people how to live with Alzheimer's while the doctors race for a cure. And that's what my journey has been about. Greg, how what how old were you when you received that diagnosis? Uh, I'm a, I'll be a, uh, in eight months. I turned seventy, and um, I was probably I'll be in my early sixties. So. so, as you chronicle your um, journey with Alzheimer's, well, the other thing I want to tell you, just for the chronology. Because I got the diagnosis 10 years earlier, I may have another five, 10, six years in this journey because what happens is that, and this is important in the education. Well, I'm not telling anything you don't know, but um, someone will say, well, my mother got diagnosed and she was dead five years later. Now, things are different and there are exceptions to everything. The reality is, is your mother probably had it for 20 years and was afraid to talk about it, scared silly. And it's almost like we wouldn't talk about cancer. We wouldn't talk about AIDS. We need to bring this out of the closet. So we start talking and giving people strategies how to live because these people, I could find hundreds of people who could speak just like me right now who are on early journeys, some diagnosed not, and they're afraid. They're afraid yeah. to lose their job. Greg, what um, what stage, I mean, we always talk about Alzheimer's in terms of seven stages, but you raise mm -hmm. a really good point, which is, you know, you found out maybe 10 years earlier than most people would because right. you were cognizant and had the family link. Um, but what, where do you think you're at? Um, if we look at the seven stages, where do well, you think you're at? I, I, I cut up a frog in high school, okay? So, um, but I'll tell you what's going on now, and then you could kind of tell me. My, my doctors have said I'm working into the mid-stage, whatever that is. 60% um, of my short-term memory can be gone in 60 seconds, just like boom, boom. I don't recognize people I've known all my life, including my wife on occasion. On Father's Day, I had to ask my wife, excuse me, this is just I had to ask my wife what her name was. It's, it's, and, and um, uh, I deal with horrific depression. Mm. Not proud of this. Twice I came close to taking my life. Um, I, um, the brain uh, is uh, the control panel for the body. Brain signals aren't going down. I have no feeling now in both legs from my feet to my knees. It is neuropathy, but it's complicated by brain signals not going down. Um, I was uh, 
just uh, uh, diagnosed with macular degeneration, losing my eyesight. But other than that is they would say, oh, and I, I deal with incredible rage, incredible over-the-top rage that's scaring the kids now. I can control some of it, Deborah. I can, I, I tell people that my, my brain is, is like an iPhone. It's still, a. I was blessed by God with a good intellect and from my parents and um, still a sophisticated device, but it has a short-term battery. It pocket dials and it gets lost very easily. And all this are happening more and more, a, a tremendous loss of filter. If you put me in a room where uh, uh, I, I've known people all my life, but I don't expect to see them, 70% of the time I won't know who they are. Uh, and, uh, and, and I, which my mother did, I see things that aren't there, scary things. There are times now I'm, and, and I'm embarrassed to talk about it, but damn it is, is a, Journalists, shame on me if I don't tell people it's okay. And I see people sometimes that aren't there. My brain will paint faces on people that's not their face. Uh, I will see all times a day creepy spiders. And, uh, and also now I'm starting to fall and, 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 uh, and, and, and where my body is collapsing. And sometimes uh, the right or left side will collapse without notice. And, and I've cut myself a number of times, but you have to have a sense of humor, which, cause I'm Irish, you know, so I will say, as they say in Boston, other than that, things are just pisser for me. <laughs> so Greg, I, I really. So you can figure out where I am, but the doctors right. say you're, you're in the middle right now. Okay. Now I'm, I'm really very grateful for your honesty. And I think what's giving us a perspective from your point of view is really valuable because as a daughter who's experiencing this with a mother going through Alzheimer's, we look at the anger and we look at the hallucinations and we're, tr we try to understand it, but it's hard because you see the person you love suddenly acting very uncharacteristic of who they are. So I, I just want to focus a little bit when you talk about those angry outbursts, tell us what it feels like from your perspective. Does it come on when you talk about that rage? What does it mean from your perspective? Is it completely unprovoked? Um, is, are there trigger points? Does it take over? What is it? What does it feel like from your perspective to have that anger and an outburst? It's in simple journalistic terms, it's, it's, it's like um, a demon taking over. And you don't know, sometimes you can feel it coming, but um, you don't know when it's going to happen. And, um, and it's just something sets you off and it could be something you would know better than me, something in your brain, an emotional moment, and you take it to the highest level possible and, 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 and yell and scream. And I've had those moments uh, with people where people have had to calm me down, take me out of a room because um, it, it, it was provoking people because I just, I, I, I just went into to rage and I snapped and uh, yelling and screaming and, my wife and, and son, I can hide it from a lot of people, but they take the brunt of it. And God bless my wife. We've been married 43 years. She'll hug me. And she'll say, I know it's not you. It's the disease, but this is very hard to see. And, um, and my kids see it. And sometimes I'll uh, be in my writing studio, which is on Cape Cod where I live. We're just in Maine now visiting family. And, um, 
something will snap in the brain and, and, and my brain will go dark and I'll yell and scream. And, um, and then Connor, my son will run out and I'll say, what's, what's wrong, dad. And I, I don't want the kids to be scared. So I just said, it's just my brain shut, down. you know, and so I don't want to talk about it, but then you, you feel terrible. And, and the other side of it is I told you the guy who has a strong belief when that happens, I take God's name in vain. Like you, I mean, I'm dropping up. I should be turned into a pillar of salt. And, but, but it's uncontrollable. It's, it's like a light, you know, I, I asked people and tried to see what I'm trying to do. You know how you simplify a story. Mm-hmm. So when I talk, I ask people, like, do you want to know what it's like in early or mid stage? And I'll ask people how many people live in a house with a basement. California is probably different, but most people raise their hand. How many people have done their laundry in the basement? Most people raise their hand. How many people have ever been down in the basement doing their laundry when someone up in the kitchen didn't realize you were there and shut the light off? Mm. What do you do? I carpet bomb F-bombs now. But that's what the stage is, and that's the stage that I'm in. We talk to you now, but the light will be on, the light will go off. The light, and you don't, and, But you know someday the light goes off forever. So when you describe that, that sounds terrifying to me. I mean, it 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 sounds like um, you. It sounds traumatic. It sounds frightening beyond belief. It's it's scary. It's scary shit. Do you do you when you have an outburst or an anger because they are very emotional? Do you remember them after? Is there remorse afterwards? Uh, it, well, yeah, I sometimes I remember. Sometimes I have to be reminded. And scores and scores of times, I'm giving apologies and writing I'm sorry emails. And because I think that's important when I realize and say, I didn't mean to do that. That was horrible. And this is the other thing I think that's important to personalize this disease. I try to tell people that, look, I'm not going to use this disease as a crutch. What happened was horrible. It was terrible for you have to see it. I just want you to understand that wasn't me. Yeah. Um, Greg, are you, are you still writing a lot these days? Yeah, I, I, it's taking a lot longer to write now, but, um, Dr. Rudy Tanzi, I don't know if you know him. He's, yes, a, I, we know him well. He's been a guest as well. He's a, he's, <laughs> a, he's one of my medical advisors, Harvard mass general. And, and, um, so he has me on a lot of, and it, I take the legal limits of medication. Aricepnamenda, they're called different things, Selexia, uh, all that stuff. And he gives me supplements, but has me on a diet for brain health, which is very important. And um, has me in an exercise. Uh, I exercise every day. Um, what do you do for I, exercise? Aerobic, is it? or? No, well, that's the other thing I forgot to tell you, because your body breaks down and, and it's breaking my spine down. I also have spinal stenosis and scoliosis to the point that where related the, to the Alzheimer's it's related to the Alzheimer's and that the, the disease will just start to break your body. I saw it with my mother, your body. The doctor told me the other day, he said you on the outside, you look great, but on the inside, you probably have the body of an 80 year old because it slowly breaks every. And so when people die, they die often of other things, you know, pneumonia or a stroke or something like that. And I've had a, probably at least two TIAs and uh, where my son came in the room once and I didn't know where I was, who he was. And he had to, it's, he's a, he's a 
in his early 30s and it shocked him so i forgot where i was now where was i so um we were talking about uh actually i've forgotten too so. oh, well i have some pills that i could send you oh i know <laughs> please um you know also sometimes um when i do these interviews too i can relate and i think oh god maybe i should be going to the doctors you know it's that distinction between memory regular memory loss and um and alzheimer's disease but i did have a question about um well, let's start a newspaper in the home how's that sorry sorry we'll start a newspaper in the home someday absolutely we could be co-partners in that um but i want to ask you about the medication is it working for you do you do you notice any difference um i i uh, a friend of mine early on called them my smart pills and um Early on, they worked far more than they do now because I've been on the medication for a while, and Rudy will tell you this, no new medication for 10 years. And it's like any other medication, your body can become immune to it. I find that when I don't take them, I, could, I, I, I see a difference in concentration and stuff. So they're just not working um, as they did. So question that that you know that i have but i'm afraid to ask people because i don't know I, I don't know that i want the answer is is it because my body is used to the pills or which i suspect it's a combination i'm just progressing to and there's nothing stronger they can give me so that's why guys like rudy are trying to find a cure did you massively change your lifestyle once you had a diagnosis or had you already always been um, a fit, healthy person? Um, yeah, I was always a jock, so it was an easy thing. And I was a writer, so I just felt that's 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 what I need to do. Um, but it becomes harder and harder. Um, good example in writing. Um, and I know most people listening will say, well, that's not a big deal, but for a writer it is. You know, people like you and I, we can put our hands on the keyboard and we fly. Now it's starting where I can't find keys. You can't find the keys, did you say? Yeah, can't find the keys. Yeah. And and uh and that's disturbing for a guy who used to type 250 words a minute. Yeah, I can imagine. Wait, Greg, did you just put something over for some reason you got a little bit muffled. Oh that's better, right there. Okay, good. Yeah, stay, right. stay higher, I think it's yeah. a little better. It was just my wife trying to strangle me. That's right. <laughs> no, just kidding. I love your sense of humor. <laughs> you got you it. If, if you can't laugh at an enemy, then the enemy owns you. Absolutely. And um, I have had people laugh and joke to say that what Greg is doing is giving Alzheimer's the finger and, and uh, the Irish say, never get mad, get even. And I'm getting even, not for me, because there's no magic wand here, but for the next generation. I want to talk a little bit about, I mean, you, you, speaking of Irish, you come from an Irish family, 10 children. Um, mm -hmm. Are are any of your siblings impacted by Alzheimer's? Um, I believe, um, I'm not going to mention names here. No, absolutely. But, uh, I've talked to one of my sisters about it and she's active in the Alzheimer's Association, is very concerned about it. And I have seen um, symptoms, early symptoms in some of my other siblings, but denial is a big thing in this disease. And um, 
when I was taking care of, um, you know, my parents, and my siblings aren't different from anyone else, they do what I call drive-bys and come up and have a casual conversation on Cape Cod from New York City and say, oh, mom and dad are fine. Well, the answer is no, they're not. It gets back to what I said about my, my cell phone. You know, if, if you have a sophisticated brain, you can rise to the occasion in time, but then when you're off stage, you just let it go. So we're getting um, a lot of viewer comments, actually. Um, big, you're attracting a big audience, Greg. A lot of people must know about you. Um, okay. So um, one, one viewer says, it's amazing that you can talk. My sister was diagnosed in 2012, and she cannot speak much at all. She just says yes to every question. Um, if she says a full sentence, it's the best day ever. Now, that comment actually highlights how much we, how different the presentation of dementia and Alzheimer's, for that matter, can be on different people. Yeah, and and the the one thing that I, I would say for the person who who asked that that important question, you don't get. I didn't get my cancer the day I was diagnosed. I didn't get Alzheimer's the day I was diagnosed. So. This gets back, and, and I can't speak to that person because they're, they're, why do some people die of cancer quick? You know, I, I, I don't know. I could tell you how many angels dance on the head of a pin. I don't know those answers. But it gets back to early diagnosis and the importance of early diagnosis. Um, and I suspect in many cases, an individual like that possibly, probably had those symptoms 15, 20 years earlier, and they were afraid, like no one would talk about AIDS or no one would talk about cancer. They're afraid to talk about it. And we got to get people to talk about it. So God bless the person who asked that question. The, the other thing too is, um, and we've, we've spoken to, to other people like this, like oftentimes people are diagnosed with Alzheimer's, yet it turns out to be another type of dementia, right? And, and depending upon which, which part of the brain the yeah. dementia is impacting, the symptoms can be very different. Yeah, the, the symptoms, well, in general, they're similar, but yeah, the, the, they're, they're, some things are more exaggerated in, in others. And what doctors have told me, and again, you would know, um, you can have Alzheimer's and also another form of dementia too. You could have yeah. Alzheimer's and vascular dementia. You could have, and, and um, some of the doctors also suggest in addition to my Alzheimer's because of the lack of feeling, it's, there, there could be some vascular stuff going on. So, you, you, you know, the, the problem is we don't have all the information yet. So I, I've said this before um, in other interviews, but I once spoke to a pathologist who said that 75% of the brain autopsies he does are usually Alzheimer's and another type of dementia. Yeah. Uh, so whether or, not, whether or not when you um, go to a different, a later stage of the disease, it impacts more parts of the brains or whether or not you started with yeah. A, you know, different presentations. Um, I don't think we know that yet. Yeah. Well, I, cause I always joke with Rudy. I, I told him that when my time comes, I'm going to give my brain to Harvard cause it's the only way I could get into the school. <laughs> and you probably would make a greater impact right that way too. than maybe as a student, maybe I, I could get a postmortem degree. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I believe that if they're to give that, Greg, you will be the person to get it. <laughs> okay. 
So um, tell me a little bit about the psychological impact. Of, I mean, obviously, Greg, you're an intelligent person. Um, you had a job, which as journalists, we like to think we have intelligent jobs. Um, tell me about once you got diagnosed, I mean, we talked to a lot of uh, people with dementia who say the hardest part is really the stigma. Suddenly you're cast as a person with Alzheimer's. Did, yeah. did you go through that? Yeah, I, I, I did. But what helped me was my mother who, my dad was more, you talked about kids before. It's all about denial. My dad was also in denial. My mom talked about it and um, she taught me, and we talked about Alzheimer's and she knew that I had the symptoms and we took our Aricep together at times. And um, like me, she, she was a fighting woman and she could speak up until the end. And, and she taught me, which I think is important and I'm not proselytizing here. I'm just suggesting. She taught me how to write and speak from the heart when the brain fails. And I believe the heart is the place of the soul. And, and, um, I'll never forget when I got a call right before my mother died to the nursing home. They said she was very scared and I should be there. And I was a couple of miles away and I got there and I woke her up and I said, sorry, mom, to wake. And, and she said, no, Greg, I'm glad you're here. And that was um, the first time in eight months that she could remember my name. Wow. And I realized something was happening. There was a continence to her. If you've ever been around someone who dies, is about to die, there was a continence. And I had a picture of my grandfather. Her father died of Alzheimer's. I put at the foot of her bed in the nursing home. So when she looked, woke up, she'd see him. And I, I don't care what anyone says, and I'm not saying I'm right. I felt his spirit was in the room. And, and so I sat next to my mom, and I held her hand, and she, we talked, not big stuff, but she, she's she's in, in the weeds now, but she's talking from her heart, the soul. It's the only way to explain it. And I got up and I she fell asleep. I kissed her on the forehead and she turned, this is something I wrote about in the book. She turned to me, opened her eyes immediately and said, Greg, where are you going? Mm. Excuse me. And, and um, just emotional. I realized the moment was at hand. I sat down. I held her hand and I said, Mom. I'm not going anywhere. We're going to ride this one out together. And I held her hand until she fell asleep and I kissed her on the forehead and she never woke up again. And I walked out of that room that night, something in my soul said, we're going to start to talk about this. That's amazing. That really is because it's so. And that was, that was the impetus for um, Pluto, my mother. Right. That, that, that's Amazing. I, I, I'm curious, um, did you get genetic testing before you found out that you had no, Alzheimer's? I got it after. Okay. That's just how the doctors worked. I, I, the, that was after the brain scan was genetic test. Did Have your kids done that? Well, that's a good question to ask because, um, and it's a very important question, um, my feeling now is different than it was a few years ago. Colleen, my daughter's married. She has a baby and another one coming. And before she had her got pregnant for the first, she said, daddy, should I get pregnant? Which broke my heart. My God. Yeah. And, um, and I said, yeah, honey, I said, we don't know. And there's no, there is 50% chance my kids, that, that's what 
the doctors or statistics will tell you will end up with this with this family tree and you th that's devastating and I, I, I see my granddaughter and you, know, you just worry about that it's like there's a guilt thing here Deborah yeah it, 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 you know there's a guilt to this and but I said look there's you know you can't control anything and just do it so she went now I would tell my kids if they felt like it I wouldn't say you should um, I would tell them um, go get a gene test and I would tell anyone who's listening if they're having cognitive problems get a clinical exam and a, and a gene test um, and it's okay because the disease likely is going to take 20 years and you're better off like I was learning before the symptoms get so progressive because their strategies for fighting and, and, and getting through, which is part of what I wrote about in, in my own words. Now, when I can't think of something, I play charades with Google. Sounds like this. And, and so they're, you know, you feel like a dunce, but um, there are ways of, of getting through it. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to read some comments as well, because I, I want, we're getting a lot of comments here. Um, we have, someone who said, you know, it's genetic, awful illness. Um, you lost the person twice. I'm a mental health nurse. Everyone's different as there's so many cognitive illnesses out there. It sucks. I've met people at the age of 45. People are getting younger and younger. What you're doing is great, Greg. You're a true role, role model. I really hope they find a cure for the future. I always say to my patients, remember dementia is only a very small part of you and you will always be you. Well, um, you know, keep saying that, but I have to, and anyone who's listening who deals with it, I have to fight through that. I don't, I don't like myself anymore. I, I, I could sit here and you go, oh, you look good. And, but you know, well, it's, you know, God made me looking good. Like God made you looking good. And, and, um, but I, I don't, I, I've lost my self-esteem. I've lost my confidence. I got to get up every morning and, and, and put the pieces back together. But, uh, I felt, as I told you, the two times where I tried to leave this planet, and um, I felt God, the universe saying, not your time. And we got stuff to do is I know this is going to get you some emails here because um, I want a God or coaches like New England Patriot coach Bill Belichick do your job. Now, that'll get emails because everyone hates the Patriots. <laughs> you like to provoke. I can but, see. But I, I, I actually years ago consulted with the organization and communication. So I, I, um, Robert and Jonathan Kraft are incredible people and they, they've shown me how to find a way to win in my association early on. This was years ago, but so you learn things along the way. Yeah. You, don't give up. you, you are, I mean, I know I, I, I can understand what you just told us about self-esteem and having to build yourself up. But Greg, I mean, I, I, we don't even have time to read all the comments that are coming in that you are a true inspiration because it is very important, I believe, I, I believe this wholeheartedly for us to look at dementia 
in the first person perspective through your eyes, because we learn more if we're caregivers, if we're doctors, if we're researchers, we learn more from your perspective. And so what you're doing in my mind has enormous value um, to this entire food chain and community of looking for a cure. I think more often we need to all stop and, and listen to people like you um, to give us that perspective. Um, I, I find today, even your description of, you know, when you deal with rage and when you blank out, really helpful to me to deal with my mom. Um, it, it, it's really helpful. And I'm, I'm greatly, greatly thankful. Again, like you with this disease, it was a blessing, my training in journalism, because that's, who I am, that's who you are. So you stick with what, with what you know, and shame on me. Uh, if I tried to, you know, be embarrassed by it. Cause there's stories that I've also lost continents a lot. So, you know, and, and sometimes it's in public and that's, okay. but I just want to tell people it's okay. And right now what happens when you do that, I have a lot of people who know me will come up, more often than not and say, Greg, it's John, it's Mary, how you doing? Or or joke with me because they see I peed in my pants rather than, you know, pretend it didn't happen because that right. tells me that they know and they know it's, and, and that's the conversation, you know, for so long, and I'm, I'm so thrilled to hear you say it, we've said, well, the doctors need to speak about Alzheimer's, the nurses, and God bless them, they're the greatest people in the world, but we need to hear it from the people on this journey. And I'm Pluto is the first book, I believe, written by an investigative reporter embedded inside the mind of Alzheimer's. Well, and it's great that you wrote that. T tell me, um, we, we should wrap up. We're running out of time here. But Greg, tell, tell, give us um, what you want. I mean, is there something that you want us all to know about caring for people with this disease. Um, I mean, you certainly talked about breaking down the stigma through your bravery of speaking out. Um, but what, what could you, what thought can you leave us with in terms of, um, you know, really dealing with Alzheimer's if we have a family member? Well, because we don't have a cure, it's the KIS, keep it simple. And to me, that's a four letter word, love. And um, my advice to anyone is show love. And love is shown in body language. It's shown in touch. It's, it's shown in how you care. And let them know that you care. And um, let them know that you fear someday you could be in those shoes because anyone, that could be anyone's story. And let them know they're not alone. There are times when I, that's why I call my book on Pluto because it's the perfect metaphor for Alzheimer's, the desolation and the isolation. And, um, and I had to invent a place that when I drifted out, which I do, I could go and tell people where I was. And I say to people, I'm on Pluto. And it's, that's what it's like. You just drift. Greg, thank you. We've, we have so many more comments and questions, but maybe you could visit um, the Facebook. Um, it will, we'll post this. This will be okay. live on fa Facebook and it will also be embedded in beingpatient.com. Um, if you want to revisit this interview or you want to hear more, Greg, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to do so? Uh, my 
my email i'm on well man probably the best thing because I, I i'm not facile with that my i don't i'm fine with my email my email is g-o-b-r-i-e-n at capecod.net we can but, post that in the weekend but, but tell people put something in the subject head because i get confused about what it's related to so make it related to alzheimer's or the name of your show and also you have you have you have a great staff if someone later can lead me through how to access some of the stuff you took because i'm it'll be gone yeah no absolutely we will we'll take you to the facebook and maybe you could respond to some of those um comments and um again the importance of these interviews are it's meant to look at the first person perspective uh, to live like dementia and i i don't think we're going to I handle it, you know, conquer it all no. uh, in 40 minutes, but hopefully um, we'll do more interviews like this on Being Patient. And Greg, you are always going to be welcome as a guest. So okay. just one quick you know, final point, which I think is important. Yeah. Uh, they say that Alzheimer's and Rudy Tanzia said this is like a snowflake. There, there are no two patterns that are alike. So someone can't look at their mother or their father and say, well, that's the way it is because it's not. It's all different with all people. Yeah, absolutely. And on that, um, we thank you, Greg, for your time and your insight. We value your perspective. Um, again, if you want to re, if you want to revisit Greg's interview, it will be on um, beingpatient.com under video, being patient perspectives. Thanks, Greg, and we will Great. definitely stay in touch. Okay. God bless you. Anytime. Take care. See <laughs> Take care. You.